Word for You is presented by Grace Point Church in Lakewood, Ohio. We are located at the intersection of Warren and Elter and welcome you to visit us in person or online at gracepointlakewood.com. That's G-R-A-C-E-P-O-I-N-T-E-L-A-K-E-W-O-O-D dot com. Listen to podcasts of sermons from our pastor, Mike Bartolone, and various guest pastors. You will see that grace is always the point, and you are always welcome. We're going to be in John 10. We're going to start in John 10. John 10, 27. I like this scripture. It says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep. That's the wrong scripture. Oh, there it is. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. See, now we have what you're seeing up here, I could see right in front of me back here because we put up a TV monitor in the back. We Actually, we bought it. We really got it for it, did it for May and signers so that they can see that without her always going like this, you know. <laughs> I'd like to talk to you about your heart. And the way I put it together, I put it understanding God's brave-hearted sons and daughters of God. That's who you are. You're God's brave hearts. You know, the movie Braveheart. Who's ever seen the movie Braveheart with Mel Gibson? That's uh, a great movie. We've done, I've done over the years, probably 15 years of men's outings at the camp called Braveheart Men's Weekends. Uh, once a year we would get together and do Braveheart stuff at the camp. We had some great outings and it was fun. But perhaps the most beautiful mystery of all that is the, to me is the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. No matter how much you study it, you can't exhaust it. Learning about the Father, learning about the Son, learning about the Holy Spirit. And just when you think you might have a handle on it, you meditate on it again, and again it boggles your mind. You're just like finding all new things out. All three persons have always existed in eternity past, and they exist right here in present and onward to the future and coming age. And though the Father's presence was made manifest in numerous ways throughout the Old Testament, His presence in human form was limited to a few fleeting encounters. His Spirit resided within the Ark of the Covenant and in the tabernacle first, and later within the temple of Jerusalem. But Israel did not stay faithful to the Lord. Again and again, they turned to worship other gods, other idols, forsaking their own God and His covenant with them. And after repeated warnings of judgment for their prodigal ways, 
the Lord allowed punishment to come in those days in the Old Testament. But we are in the, in the New. But the complete destruction of the Temple of Jerusalem itself, 70 years later, the exiles returned to Jerusalem and rebuilt the Temple. But the Spirit of God did not return. And foreign powers continued to rule over the nation. So for 500 long years, Israel languished in utter darkness with no God in temple and no king of their own. And over four, 500 years, they were what many are today who are still not born again, orphans. They had orphan hearts. And from this context into which Jesus Emmanuel, God is with us, was born, Isaiah chapter 9, if you'll turn there with me, Isaiah 9. Verses 1 through 7. It says, Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. And when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, there's that phrase, Marie, again shadow of death upon them a light has shined and you have multiplied the nation and increased its joy they rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil for you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder the rod of his oppressor as in the days of Midian for every warrior's sandal from the noisy battles and garments rolled in blood will be used for the burning and the fuel of the fire. Verse 6, 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Say Wonderful. Say Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. And verse 7 says, Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over His kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord will perform this. Powerful words. Powerful words. And they still exist today. Those words are still ringing today. So our Heavenly Father could not bear to watch His beloved Israel suffer alone any longer. So the beautiful mystery of the Trinity began to unfold for all of us to see. The Father, King of the universe, humbled Himself as the Son to be born helpless and vulnerable. Just like us, He laid aside His divinity to become a man perfect example of a man in order to teach us how to become sons, to show us the Father, and to lead the way back home to Him. Hey, Mike, could you just uh, shut the windows maybe down about an inch just in case it starts storming or raining on this side? It says, and the, and the hesed, hesed, the word heart for in the Hebrew is called hesed. The hesed heart of the Father now beat inside of Jesus, and for the first time, the hested love of the Father was demonstrated in the flesh. Glory to God. Jesus is the way, the only way to the Father. He teaches and demonstrates how our orphan heart before Christ 
can be fully adopted as sons and daughters by showing us what a true son looks like. You're all true sons and daughters of God. You don't have to worry about that. You're just going to keep discovering day by day, Sunday by Sunday, week by week, month by month, year by year, who you are in Christ. And that's really what this teaching is about. So if this is what we each want, we must allow Jesus to lead the way because He said, My sheep will follow Me. Amen? And so Jesus' whole life here on earth was spent teaching by example. He became one of us so that all of us could become like Him. That was His whole deal for coming. Grace in the heart of us all. Thayer's Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament says that grace is a divine influence. It's not just a doctrine. It's not just an ideology. It's a person. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Amen? And so this divine influence is in the heart that does, and it does two things. This, this influence does two things in our hearts. It strengthens us and it enables us. Therefore, since the ability of God works in and from the heart, the condition of the heart is paramount when discussing grace, or discussing Jesus. In fact, all that God does in us, He does in and through our hearts. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth, it says in 1 Samuel 16:7. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord looks on the heart. 1 Samuel 16:7. And since God looks on and relates to us through the heart, it is essential that we hear that we heed the admonition of Proverbs 4:23. Because Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Proverbs 4.23 Keep your heart, your inner man, your inner spirit. See, out of our lives flows literally from all our, everything in our lives flows from the condition of our hearts. And since grace works from the heart and it is a product of faith, it will always diametrically oppose the natural mind, our natural mind. The natural mind does not do the things in its own strength. The natural mind will always limit a person to the extent of his own capabilities. Therefore, few people ever fulfill the extent of their calling gifts on the earth because they don't allow their hearts and the Spirit of God to manifest. In 1 Corinthians, it says in 2.9 in the King James, it says, Eye is not seen, nor ear heard, Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love Him. Eye is not seen. Ear is not heard. I mean, God is preparing things all the time for us. And then in Romans 8, 7 in the King James, it says, Because the carnal natural mind is enmity. Enmity is at war. It's against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, and neither indeed can be. We have two minds. You have two minds. The natural mind and the spiritual mind, which is the mind of Christ. When you're born again, you get the mind of Christ. And boy, I'll tell you, once you get that mind, things start changing in your life. But the natural mind cannot see or grasp what God has for us and what He is capable of doing for us. You ever talk to somebody who just wasn't born again and... You try to reason with them about God's love and they look at you like deer in a headlight. They know. What are you trying to say to me? But even if it doesn't, it's not subject to the law of God. In other words, 
even if the natural mind see it, in the, but the mind cannot get it to work. The natural mind is one that has been conditioned to reason everything out of the accordance of the world's view. And that's why we have media today, because they're always pumping their view through that television. And it's been trained to limit itself to this realm. It is the mind that is set on it and considers the things from the world view instead of God's view. There's two views, world view, God view. So we get to choose which one we want. Romans 8.5 describes the carnal mind as the mind set on the things of the flesh. Literally, it's set on what the nature desires. But in the flesh, remember, it's attempting to be made righteous by the works of our flesh. A mind set on works righteousness. See, Old Testament is works righteousness. New Testament is faith righteousness. And so our mind is, our natural mind is on works righteousness. How do we please God? We do works. But in the New Covenant, how do we please God? We walk by faith and we enter into His rest. And we live by His grace. And we live by His love. You know, it's not so much even us loving Him. It's us just allowing Him to love us. Because whatever we behold, if we behold Him and all of His love, it changes us from the inside out. See, because it's always been an inside job. The heart is its about what's inside. I'm not talking about your natural heart that beats. I'm talking about the spirit, the inner man that's within you when you're born again. Don't we tell everybody, even little kids, when they're born again, that Jesus comes to live in their hearts? You know, so we have to believe it too, you know, as adults. So that's, that's literally what's happening. And a mind set on righteousness by works will produce a heart that tries to be righteous by works. And this is what it means to be in the flesh. If you go to Galatians, let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. I'm going to tell you in a minute. Seventeen eighty for Danny's Bible. Mine is seventeen seventy nine. But we have to be on verse nineteen. Galatians five nineteen for I'm so it's for me it's seventeen eighty. It says now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry. Sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and heresies. We're not done. Envy, murders, drunkenness, and revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I've told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Pretty long list of flesh. And if you want to take some time and look those all up, you could be busy for a while. Just with a dictionary, without a Thayer's, without all the other stuff, the Strong's, without all the stuff that goes with it, it'll keep you busy. But besides a lifestyle that brings condemnation, a heart overwhelmed with works will never enter into rest. If you're struggling to enter into rest, it's because you have a works mindset. And uh, it will always involve torment because you can't ever measure up to God what God wants you to do. But Romans 8.1 warns us about this mind. Romans 
It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. End of story. If you never read the rest, it's end of story. Who do not walk according to the flesh, the list you just read in Galatians 5, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit, verse 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That means the law of sin and death there is also the Old Covenant. That's what it's talking about. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, and He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled where? In us, it says, those next two words, in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is what? Death. And but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot do what? Please God, you can't do it. You can't do it on works. You can't do it on your own merit. It just doesn't happen that way. This word condemnation here in this Romans 1, 8, 1, the word condemnation means a damnatory sentence of judgment. The person who's striving to be approved by works will always expect the worst. They're always waiting for judgment. A person in the Spirit, on the other hand, is always filled with hope or a confident expectation of good. According to Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith can come forth only where there is hope. Only where there is hope. Only a heart permeated with grace will allow God to fulfill His promises. See, the heart that allows grace to work in it trusts God and His Word explicitly. You all should be thankful that it's raining now at 11.30 because it was supposed to rain this morning at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock. Then they said 10 o'clock and it just got here at 11.30 and you're inside and you're protected. Amen? <laughs> the Lord held the rain off until we got in. Just like, you know, the Lord held the flood until we got in the ark. When we were safe in the ark, then He shut the door. <laughs> See, I don't know. They said it should be. They said in an hour it's over. So if you want me to go an extra hour, I could do it. <laughs> but I read it on my phone before I came up. But the heart that allows grace to work in it trusts God in His Word explicitly. The word believe means more than mental assent. The Amplified Bible uses the words in John 1.12. It uses the words to trust in, to rely on, to express a fuller meaning of the word believe, John 1.12. But to as many of us who did receive Him and welcome Him, He gave the authority, power, privilege, right to become the children of God. That is, to those who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on His name. How many like to amplify? I do. I like words. That's, I'm a word, crazy words guy. So, Bible belief 
is belief that is put into practice and relied upon. Every born-again believer must renew their mind if they are ever to function successfully in the kingdom of God. We must see things the way God sees them or says they are. It's kind of weird. I didn't coordinate nothing with Leah or Jenny about the songs we sang this morning. But all the stuff that she was, they were singing about are the things that are in my teaching today. It's amazing how we, he coordinates things together. Amen? Our perception of reality must be totally consistent with God's. Otherwise, we will fall into the category of a carnal mind, trying to please Him with our own mind, with our own feelings, with our own thoughts. The term in the Bible that refers to the world often speaks of the world's systems, which is completely different from God's system. Most of us have spent a lifetime learning how to be successfully in this world to function, but we try. We want to be successful in the world system. I, I'm, I'm convinced that if you just learn how to... I, I, I was sharing with Leo, I think I shared this with Leo a little while back. I have a good friend, Burgett. She lives in Martinsburg, Virginia. She came from Estonia. She had, she had come here years ago with Vince Deladante. She's married to Vince. Some of you maybe remember Vince when we had him in. He's a guitarist that sings. And, and he married her in Pittsburgh, and they've been married. Now they're living in Martinsburg, and now they have houses. She's a real estate agent. She became a real estate agent after she got her citizenship in America. But, I mean, this, she has a story to tell, this girl. I told her she should be the, she should be the governor of Virginia. That's how gifted she is. But after she became, what they did to her, when she became a real estate agent, the first thing they did to her, you know what they did to her? They gave her the hardest house to sell. One that couldn't, would not sell in two or three years. They couldn't sell the house. And they said, this is your first assignment to sell. So she went to the house and she started walking around and speaking in tongues. She's speaking in tongues. She's asking God, how are you going to sell this house? The Lord told her to go out and buy a cookie jar and put it in the kitchen. And she said, and the Lord says, the first person that comes in is going to like the cookie jar and buy the house and won't even look at the house. We'll just buy it because of the cookie jar. How many know God can do unusual things? She sold the house that day because the buyer liked the cookie jar. And now she became, she is at this present time, two years later, the highest and the best seller of houses in that company. She's always at the top every single time because she asked God, what should I do? You know, what can we do? And I'll tell you what, it's, it's, it's a powerful testimony. So you, it's, God just works that way in our lives. Amen. And so too many young believers fail to renew their minds after God's Word. Instead, we take the wisdom of the world system and try to function in the kingdom of God. It doesn't work. See, it is the world's input that we spend years receiving in school, in college, on evening news, from messages that what? They deny the power of God. But the influence of the temporal world in our lives goes far beyond what most people imagine. And we read it. We just read that in Romans 8, 6, which tells us to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace amen and simply hearing a group of thoughts may not affect your life however when you begin to think and meditate on god's word i'll tell you things are going to start changing 
just meditate on the Word. You know, it even says in Psalm 1, you know, don't, be, don't allow ungodly counsel to influence you. In Christ, we have God's quality of life. The Bible says in 1 John 5.12, He that hath the Son hath life. How many have the Son? You have life, eternal life. John 10.10, 10, I am come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. These verses and the majority of the New Testament verses about life refer to our quality of life. The Greek word for life is zoe, Z-O-E, speaking of a quality of life as possessed by one who gives it. Thus becoming saved. How many are saved? How many know the saved Greek word is sozo, S-O-Z-O, means to have the quality of life that God has. The same life that God has, you have. You have that same life. He is I am. You are I am. That's who you are. You're His son. You're His daughter. Obviously, not every believer is experiencing the quality of life Jesus came to give. But the reasons for that are lack of understanding. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. You notice I don't give you the verse... Sorry about that. Ephesians 4.18 Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. It's in the heart. It starts in the heart. That's why when we're born again, God comes in and lives in our heart. The changes from the inside out. And a failure to receive grace, the grace... The ability of God, grace is best. Some people like to, you know, define it as unmerited favor. Actually, grace is God's ability in your life. And it brings us into the Zoe or the resurrection life of Jesus. God's grace can work only through faith righteousness, Romans 5.21. And so when grace reigns, it will ultimately produce life, quality of life in our lives. Zoe, the quality of life that God has. Say, the quality of life that God has, I have. That God has, I have. You have that. And grace makes one able to receive that life, that Zoe life, because grace makes one able to walk out that kind of life. Grace reigns in one's life through faith righteousness because grace produces life. Whose grace? Jesus. He produces life inside of you. And according to Romans 10.10, it says salvation comes only when we confess the truth with our mouths. So like Paul, we must be confidently boasting in the truth and the reality of God's Word. When we follow this process in any area, God's ability goes to work in us in that area. And that ability makes our confident confession a reality. A righteous heart produces a confident heart, and confession brings forth the views and the opinions of God. Therefore, grace reigns through righteousness, believing in the truth in the heart. Paul's joyful boasting, or what some would call confessing, is very important during the times we live in, difficult times. And when going through difficult times, it's essential that your heart remains stable and steadfast in the truth, in the Word of God. You can't get enough of it. You can't read it enough. 
There are hundreds of scriptures about the power of speaking. Confession, in the strict, strictest sense, is to say something because it's in your heart. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 12. Proverbs 8.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I've heard it said that part of our brains that controls speech dominates every other function of the brain. Our Bibles say in James chapter 3, let's go to James 3, verse 4. James 3, 4. He says, look, at this, look also at the ships. Let's, let's go. I know you've got four. Just keep four up there, John. But I want to I wanna go back to verse 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man also to bridle the whole, also, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we, and we turn their whole body. Look at ships. Oh, they are so large and are driven by fierce winds. <clears throat> they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue <clears throat> is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. The Bible says that we can turn our bodies in any direction with our tongues. When I recognize negative things in my life, I use my mouth to turn the tide. The words that I speak help keep my heart in righteousness straight with the Word of God. Then grace starts freely flowing from my heart that believes in the righteousness of Jesus that's living in us. Grace teaches us to deny ungodliness and live in righteousness. Grace will not produce a lax attitude towards sin or ungodliness. Grace compels us to live in all godliness. Believing in faith righteousness makes grace work. I'm almost done. Let me close today's message with these thoughts. The Apostle John not only believed in God's love, but he also experienced it. He had tapped into the greatest power in existence, the love of God. You want to know the greatest power of God? The love of God. When I was first saved, I wanted desperately to know God's power. I wanted to see God's mighty acts. <laughs> and like Elijah, I expected to know God in the earthquake and in the fire and in the wind. But I soon discovered that you could see all these things and still not know God. Knowing God's power soon became secondary to knowing God. And we only grasp the fullness of God's power only to the degree that you grasp the fullness of His love. There's nothing greater than His love. Grasp His love and you'll know so much about Him. Paul understood this when he prayed in Ephesians chapter 3. Let's go to Ephesians 3. Verse 17. 3.17 That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height 
to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So Paul knew that the key to being filled with God's power was being filled with His love. Love is the motivating factor behind all that God does. More than anything else, God is love. Therefore, you know and understand God only by understanding the God kind of love. This is the major key to miracles, healing, faith, and peace. You can come, Leah, in the worship team. Mike. In all things, I've learned not to trust in anything except God's super love. My faith, our faith, is simply a response to the love and integrity of God. <clears throat> One final scripture, and I'll close with this scripture. 1 John chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Amen? You want to say something, dear? Gave her a chance. How many would like to hear my wife preach someday? I ask her every week for the last 36 years. sing this song and we're going to say no fear. No fear doesn't stand a chance. Not my fear. Not your fear. No fear.
the scripture in Romans 8 for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh that's the natural mind there's two minds the natural mind and the mind of Christ the natural mind is very limited it's our our senses you know, our five senses, everything we can see in the natural, smell in the natural. But the natural mind is so limited. But the mind of Christ is super. Say super. Super. Supernatural. And when you choose only to, to walk in what you see in the natural, it's so limiting. Because in the supernatural, it doesn't seem to make sense. It seems opposite of what you see. It, to, to the unbeliever, it seems ridiculous. I remember Steve Witt was uh, he's a pastor of the city who we're friends with, and he was battling cancer. And as we were praying for him, the Lord said... Now tell me if this isn't crazy. 
you would think, but it wasn't crazy. It was the Holy Spirit led. The whole key is being led by the Spirit and not by the flesh because the flesh is limited. There's only so much the doctors can do. But the Lord said to us in prayer, send him a Hershey bar, a chocolate Hershey bar, and tell him to eat it. That sounded ridiculous, didn't it? It certainly wasn't something I could have thought of. (laughs) I knew it wasn't me because it didn't make any sense. But we sent him a Hershey bar and told him to eat it and said it may sound ridiculous, but I believe it's a spiritual act of obedience. I knew it didn't come from us. And he ate that Hershey bar. And we kind of chuckled over it. But he was healed. Amen? That's what I'm talking about. When when things don't make sense, just know it's the Spirit. <laughs> because we, in our natural minds, always try to reason, figure things out, drive ourselves to the uttermost chaos, But when the Spirit speaks, I know when it's Him because it doesn't seem to make sense to the natural mind. Remember, beloved, we have two minds. The natural, which is okay. I love the fragrance and I love love to see the beauty. But I'm telling you, it's limited. And the Spirit of God with His mind is so much more. And you know what? The only thing that can please Him is being led by the Spirit and not of the flesh. And the only thing that can bring you perfect peace and rest, what rest is, is just living and being led by the Spirit. Total trust. If we are resting, it's because we're totally trusting in the Spirit to do the work. When we're working, He's not. <laughs> when we're resting, God's working for us. I mean, it's a, it's a total, total um, mixed up thinking, but I'm telling you, that's when you know it's Him. Where I, I so many times I say, that couldn't, that couldn't be my thinking. That has got to be the Holy Spirit. It almost doesn't make sense. And you take the courage and you take the trust and you you do what the Lord says for you to do. That's being led by the Spirit. And it's not limited. That's the, the coolness of the Holy Spirit. And it brings life. The natural brings death. Comes under the law of the Old Covenant. It was all under the works of the flesh, really brings death, but the new covenant and spirit brings life. What a much better covenant we have. My goodness, what a much better covenant we have. So, beloved, be led by the spirit because you have the mind of Christ. Amen. I'd like to share... uh these two scriptures out of uh, Acts. Acts 19.11 says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Candy bar. 
Isaiah 28:21. For the Lord will rise up at Mount Perizim. He will be angry in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his awesome work, and bring to pass his act, his unusual act. Last week I was reading about Roger Webb. He was in a meeting, and he had a word of knowledge for somebody in the room that God was going to heal their lungs. And he said, you're going to see a white light coming at you, whoever it is that's in this room. So some, she, in a few minutes, he heard this woman screaming in the back of the room. And she stood up because she said she heard the Lord say, rise up. And when she rose up, she saw this white light dancing in front of her like this, a white light. And it kept coming and coming, and then it went right into her chest, and it healed her lungs. She was totally healed by that word of knowledge. So God can do unusual things if you'll let him. You can't, if you're going to try to reason in your natural mind and figure it out, you're in trouble. You'll just reject it. It's only in the spiritual realm that you can say, okay, let's do it. And then see what God can do. Amen? Have a great week.